feeling. Because um, I genuinely think the number one thing that keeps people alive past age 100 is the diet community, all that's important. But the number one thing is the feeling of purpose, that they're actually needed, they're wanted, they, they, they're here, they've got a reason to be here. And that doesn't come from their brain, that comes from something else. Hello, and welcome to the How The Fuck podcast. That was the sound of Ariana alexander Seff, serial entrepreneur and the current founder of Spoke, a mindfulness movement that combines rap and meditation to promote the well-being of hard-to-reach groups. Ariana previously founded an events company called Sweat and Sound that combined fitness with multi-sensory experiences, for example yoga set in a historic building. She's an experienced brand builder, storyteller and public speaker and that's what we focus on today. Why finding your why is so important, why the founders need to be passionate activists for their company's mission and how good storytelling and building visceral experiences can help your message to permeate. Hi Ariana, welcome. Let's go into your background first. Where did you start? So I guess um, my first kind of foray into business or whatever was when I was in Bristol. I was at university in Bristol at UE. I was doing randomly, I was doing property investments. Believe it or not, I do actually love buildings. I think the built environment is really important. Um, I set up a business out over there. So I was doing live music gigs, um, kind of underground music gigs, student club nights, that type of thing, bringing artists in from different parts of the country. And basically it was all very cash in hand. Got mates to stand at the door for like 50 quid. I was like cycling around town at 4am with like three grand in cash on my back, having no idea whatsoever what I was doing, firstly. I didn't have any knowledge about running a business. I didn't want to take all the cash to the bank because I thought it might look dodgy. So I kept it under my bed, which now I really looking back was obviously even dodgier. And basically that was kind of my first experience of actually creating things that people enjoyed, creating experiences that people actually wanted and made people feel good. And then from there, I did a few other things in Bristol. So I was on the Nike Select team. So I actually worked with Nike for over three years doing um, fitness kind of activations in Bristol for women in Bristol. And then, yeah, also did some work for like Coca-Cola as well while I was there. But then after university, I did, did some work in property, knew it wasn't for me, started doing work in marketing and branding, worked for a publisher. And then I got a job out in New York. So I moved out to New York and I was working with a big bank doing like marketing and events for ultra high net worth clients out there. So quite literally couldn't have been two more opposite end of the spectrum, like underground club nights in Bristol to like, to like ultra high net worth banker events in New York. And ultimately, no matter what, so I was doing all these kind of, and I did some work with So Far Sounds out there as well. So that's what really, to be honest, So Far Sounds is one of my favorite companies. I've always loved music and I realized just how important the experience around music is. And I guess then looking back and I saw all of these different things that I'd done and the thing that I loved about all of them was igniting people what makes this experience better than that experience? Like, what is this that people are really enjoying? Is it the fact that they're in Tiffany's having like a breakfast with like millions and billions of dollars of jewellery around them? Is it the fact that they're sweaty in this underground nightclub, like an artist that they really like performing and they're with their mates? Like, what is it about an experience that really, really gets people? And it's a few things. I could talk, I won't talk about that because that's an, another hour long chat. But... 
And so I went, came back to London and that's what kind of ignited the idea for my first business, Sweat and Sound. So I ran that for about two and a half years and um, it's still there. I'm actually looking for somebody to take it over. Well, if anyone wants to, please get in contact with Ariana. So that led you to founding Spoke, which is now an investor funded social enterprise and you've just launched in London. What's your story there? So it's, it's actually a really important story, but through Sweat and Sound, we do live immersive experiences. We've merged live music with wellness and fitness. So, in, you know, we do yoga meditation with a live orchestra. We'd set it in historic spaces, churches, really beautiful, awe-inspiring settings. And one of our events um, at the time was called Reputation. So quite literally, rap music meets meditation. And I didn't really know how the event would, you know, span out, to be honest, but it did well. And people became very interested in it. And after speaking with schools and doing sessions with young people, and after about three to four months of figuring out this, why people were so interested in this concept, it started to, I started to realize that we'd discovered a way of engaging the hardest to reach young people in society in meditation. The whole meditation, wellness, mindfulness industry is a middle-class elitist industry and it has been for the last 25 years and the reason why it's like that is because they know that for the last 25 years the wellness industry which is the only industry that didn't suffer in the 2008 crash at all it's the only industry that permeates every piece of our lives like wellness is so important but every company since the 80s targets a 25 to 40 year old female kind of middle class female they know that this type of person is the big spender they're going to be wives mothers they're going to make spending decisions for family units and so now we've got we now we live in kind of a world where you say to a younger person what do you think of when you think of wellness what do you think of when you think of meditation and they think of this woman sitting cross-legged at a beach in Bali and they're just like oh that's not for me at all I don't resonate with that at all mm -hmm. so we've got that going on and then added look into the mental health stats of young people in the UK, 80% of all 15 to 30 year old suicides are male. There's been a 24% increase in under 25 year old suicides between 2012, 2018. So basically the people who are really suffering are not the people who the mindfulness, meditation, wellness industry are targeting. And this I think is absolutely awful, to be honest. So when we discovered what this kind of niche reputation had and how we could really engage with especially younger men that's when I put together a business plan for a personalized mindfulness app and um, a lot of other amazing features in there but all of it is delivered by incredible rising talent so incredible artists spoken word artists poets rappers singers songwriters and it's all in the voice of people who young people genuinely resonate with. Because when you think about what influences you, partly it's the content, the content's really, really good. And partly you care about the person, the person who's speaking to you, no matter how good their message is, if I don't resonate and if that person's story doesn't resonate with me in some way, the message will be just, it, it won't quite be as strong. The app launches in October this year and Ariana won't give me the full lowdown into the features that it will hold, but no doubt it's going to include her expertise in multi-sensory experience. 
where the listener can take a journey into meditation. I won't give too much away because we've got some really exciting features in there that I don't want to spoil, but it's hyper-personalised and it's gamified and it's going to feel like an adventure. It's going to feel like you're going on a journey. There's elements in there that might feel similar to, to mindfulness apps. There's elements in there that might feel similar to Spotify. There's elements that might feel similar to a couple of other playful apps and games that you probably know. But ultimately, we're delivering mindfulness and meditation in a way that doesn't feel clinical. It doesn't feel like it's delivered by a ex-Buddhist monk or a yogi or a mindfulness practitioner. It's creative, it's lyrical, it's full of all the magic that you enjoy when you listen to music. So that's basically what the app's about. You know what, it actually sounds really great. I can't wait for it to come out in October and to give it a try. Let's move into marketing now. So you're clearly an expert at building kind of amazing experiences. What's your philosophy? And how do you get into people's head to know what drives them? Even though like I do have a marketing and branding background, I think that when you think too much about how you're going to get in people's heads it's almost like you forget about what's going on in your own heads within like a business especially a startup the founders themselves are activists the founders themselves are activists for your mission like if your business doesn't have this hugely strong hard-hitting mission for what you're doing then that's probably what you need to look at first. And it, it's kind of stems through. So as the, the co-founder of Spoke, my mission is to spread this incredibly important message that younger people, especially younger men, are underrepresented when it comes to access to mindful practices, meditation um, and mindfulness. And that I'm absolutely certain, and that's backed by research, plenty of neurological data, that if young people could develop mindful practices, when your brain is so plastic, so hyper adaptable up until the age of like 25, if you can develop good mindful practices within those younger years, suicides, breakdowns, all of these awful things that happen to people as they get into their 20s, 30s, 40s will be dramatically reduced because you've instilled the tools to manage life's pressures better. It genuinely is as simple as that. So this is kind of the message and this is something that you can tell I'm very passionate about because it is important and because it will make a difference if we do it right. So what I think is no matter what business you're running, the message that you're sending across needs to come from a very authentic place and you need to have people who are ready to put themselves out there and speak about it with absolute conviction because it's true because you've done the research you've got the backing you've got the scientific data what you're talking about so that's what I think needs to come first I think that you can you can work back from a very authentic message but I think that number one is just making sure exactly what your why is and you've got enough data and evidence behind you and you're basically up there talking about it consistently and then the other thing is, and this is maybe a little bit more practical because I realise I've kind of spoken about that to a lot of people and they're a bit like, oh my God, but what's my why? And I know, I know it's a really difficult thing, especially when you're already running a business and you kind of have to work back and like create a strong, so I get it. 
but with sweat and sound a little bit more like practically with sweat and sounds there was there was always a mission in there like it was almost like there, I, there was a mission in there because we knew what we were creating was great but i hadn't put it on paper i hadn't ever really figured out exactly what that mission was in like one or two sentences with spoke it's so obvious because it happened organically and it was needed and it it made sense with sweat and sound it could have been a number of things so ultimately what i created was something that people couldn't get anywhere else people could get wellness experiences really multi even multi-sensory experiences you can get them anywhere else okay so they can get them other places so how do you deliver the message in a way that other people aren't delivering it sometimes withholding information is as effective as shouting about what you're doing so for us secret invites secret locations creating an unexclusive exclusive feel so you felt like you had to be involved to be involved almost like making people jump through a couple of hoops before they get to the information too many marketeers especially think that they want to make it as easy as possible for people and ultimately there's too much stuff in the world that we can find easily giving people a few layers that they need to pull back before they get there means that the people that you finally get are people who know about what you're doing and have made the effort to get there. So they're going to stay around for longer. So yeah, that's maybe a bit, some more practical, probably actually the most important thing that I forget to mention sometimes is the story that comes along with a experience, a service, a product. At the end of the day, there's so much out there that genuinely will help people's day to day. It might make your, your emails more effective, or it might make, you know, all this little stuff. But the reason why people buy into anything at all is because of that really meaningful story. So that comes back to like the mission and the whys. So I think the thing that stands out for me in what you've just said is that with a purpose-led brand, like a social enterprise, Identifying your why comes really naturally and easily. It's easy to talk about and get behind. But what about the brands without that? How can they craft a brand and a story to propel their business? That is the million dollar <laughs> question, isn't it? And I, think, <laughs> and I think that with all things that have... So, so for example, if someone starts a business because it's a good... It's a gap in the market and it, it maybe makes sense and they start making money out of it. And then five years down the line, it's like, hold on a minute, we, we aren't representing anything that's really meaningful. That's, that's happens... That, that might actually be potentially 95% of businesses. So... I think there's an element of you don't not necessarily needing to do it on the outside for the business operations, but I think there's an element of like completely breaking things down so you can rebuild them like anything that's systemic that kind of exists really because there's been so much time thinking about it. It's like the way our brain creates neural pathways. The longer we tell it, we tell it things and the longer we experience things and then those neural pathways are there it's almost like your whole brain needs to be completely shaken up and people that's why people do like hallucinogenic experiences like it's because the concept of breaking your neural pathway up to rebuild them is what can help people start from fresh foundations and i think the same thing exists when you talk about chain creating this story within a company 
So I think if there was like a branding team within a company, I think firstly, fresh eyes and fresh perspectives are really important. It's very difficult to do much when you're on the inside. You can tell the story of where it's got to and you can use your own personal experiences, but I think it's very difficult to really, really break things up. So I think it's about bringing new people in almost like creating like a host team that's going to start redefining what that story is. And to be honest with you, the best things are when you get out of your head, like when you get out of what the company is at that point and breaking down everything that about the company, everything that you've been saying so far, peeling back the layers until you finally get to that little person who's sitting in their room on their laptop and you are helping them with a little bit of their CRM or something like what is that little story that's happening between that person and that engagement with your piece of software or your product there's something going on there's a feeling there's an exchange that's happening there and it's not just about what they're going to get out of it there's something else and then once you brainstorm what that else is it's like you can build off of that and you can make it very human centric and you can create something very personal out of it and the product or service is a result of this overall mission that you're trying to achieve definitely and i think there's a really powerful message there in finding your very specific use case and thinking about the individual end user when you're coming up with a story and speaking to them. Finding your why is always subjective. It's like a visceral thing, which is often the case in branding. There isn't always a formula. Um, and it's something I kind of love and hate about that. It's very subjective and there's so much. People do create frameworks and a lot of the frameworks make sense. So we've got some great frameworks that we follow and, you know, first step might even just be interviewing everyone that knows the business interviewing everyone that's connected with the business getting all these different people's takes on it because they're gonna, their story is probably going to be slightly different to the story you're telling because it's going to be very connected to them and then you almost like work from so there's, there's so many different ways yeah of doing of doing it but there needs to be a bit of structure to it and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of like research and validation and figuring things out. And then there's an element of intuition in there as well, which good branding and good marketing people should have, I think. I think that like, just like good leadership, good storytelling, it permeates through people. The founders of the company, how many, sorry, I'm going to probably offend a lot of business owners who listen to this, but how many business owners I know and CEOs I know that are too scared to stand up on a stage and tell their story to a whole load of people and tell it with conviction. Like good storytelling permeates through the leaders of a company. They need to be able to, they are not just company owners, they're activists because your company should be solving a very real problem in the, in the world. And you need to be an activist for that problem. And, oh, and we've got a company that solves it. But as a movement, as people, you need to be activists for that problem. And then that storytelling, that leadership, it permeates through all the people that work for you. And then it permeates through to your audience. And, and it's, authentic because the people leading charge genuinely feel it in their bones because it's so important 
that's what I truly believe is like the essence of really making a difference and getting your vision out there and no matter how much you spend on ads and marketing campaigns etc I think that is always needs to be like the number one starting point yeah I think you're right I think there can't be a better way of inspiring people to join your mission and community than telling a really powerful story exactly it's the, it's the thing that it's all we want to hear. We've, we, the only reason we exist today is because we heard stories that were, that came through all generations and we'd sit around the fire and listen to stories and we'd feel inspired, we'd feel, we'd learn from the past, we'd feel hope for the future, we'd be inspired to build things, to make things, to recreate, to, like all this stuff that we do is based on stories, even the society we live in, all it is is a story that's told to the whole of society for how we should be living, what we should do, how we should act and treat each other, like a good, it might be a good story, it might be a bad story but it's still a story that we told ourselves so the whole world humans are just living breathing walking like fleshy stories basically so companies should be exactly the same so i have to ask does this come naturally to you storytelling have you always been a great public speaker or was there a time when you were also terrified so definitely, definitely not. There's a really good example that I, um, I've got so many business books, but there's one that I actually read just the other day. I, I like flip to random pages of them sometimes when I'm feeling like a bit stressed and I just need some inspiration. And I flipped it to a page and the first thing on the page was a story, which was that somebody, they were doing a consultancy project for a really big company. One of, I won't say the name, but one of the most, you know, biggest, apparently most innovative companies in the world. And they went into a classroom of like six-year-olds and they were like to all these six-year-olds, who of you guys can paint? And all of the kids were like screaming, putting their hands up. They were like, who of you can dance? They all put their hands up. Who of you can, who of you can sing? They all put their hands up. And they just like asked them a few questions. He did the same thing in this company to like 50 very senior executive, very influential world leaders. It was like, who of you can paint? Who of you can draw? Who of you can sing? Who can dance? Nobody put their hand up for anything. Everyone, it's like, yeah, you might not be good at something, but you can do things. Just because you think you're not good at something, you don't do it. And that's the same thing with telling stories to people, the same thing with public speaking. As we go through life, we lose that childlike curiosity to just explore the thing you're curious about. We lose that sense to follow our curiosities because we tell ourselves it's childish. And we lose that freedom to just do things for the sake of doing them. And the more and more we don't speak in front of people, the more and more scared we get, and then we start telling ourselves, I can't speak in public. What do you mean you can't speak in public? That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Of course you can speak in public. If someone was standing there with a gun to your head and said, shout this out in public, you're gonna say something. Like, so I think we need to tackle our fears in the same kind of way. And speaking in public, speaking in front of people, all it is, is a fear. You're scared of not saying the right thing. You're scared of slipping up. Well, what if you slip up, laugh at yourself and just carry on. Like I've slipped up like 10 times even speaking to you right now. So I think it's such an important skill for people to learn. And I definitely wasn't born with it. I was given the opportunity once when I was in university 
to speak in front of about a thousand people and that opportunity was really scary and I, I actually remember it because I spent a year I was sports president at the uni so I spent like a year in between my second and third year doing that and I remember it was like freshers and I had to give a talk in front of all of the new students and this is the biggest university in the country so there's like one and a half thousand people there and I was literally sweating like and I said all this ridiculous stuff like I don't even know what I said and I just kind of like said it and it was a load of gibberish and then afterwards I was like okay well I just did it and I just continued forcing myself to speak in front of people and before I knew it it was like okay right it's actually not it's fine. People just listen and they just accept what you're saying. <laughs> At the end of the day, when you hear someone talking in front of you, you just listen and you just accept what they say. I'm, I'm the same when I hear someone. So yeah, like, I think it's important to just get yourself out there as much as possible, face your fear, do it anyway, um, and see what happens. And then you realize it's not so bad. Sorry, that was a very long winded. No, don't worry. I can definitely, I mean, I can 100% see that in myself. Who wouldn't want to avoid that feeling of kind of discomfort that you get before going to a presentation? Um, it's like reading, I think. I always buy books that I don't finish and I can give myself a hard time for not getting to the end. But at the end of the day, like, you've just got to pick up those books and put them down when you're bored. Exactly. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be like, you've got to sit and read this whole book through or you've got to finish a book. That's another pressure we put on ourselves. Like, if you start a book, you need to finish it. Well, the thing is, is life's really short and time is really limited. So if you're not really enjoying something, put it down. And like, we also put pressure on ourselves about what books to like. There's all these amazing classics that people almost feel too intimidated to just start reading. Well, no, there's too much pretentiousness, I think, around like book reading like so many people buy books and then don't read them at all and it's like books are like stories and their energy like books should if you're not reading them they should be passed on to other people we spend too long thinking too much about everything yes true let's stop that let's talk more about multi-sensory experiences do you think every marketer can bring that into their events yes definitely firstly and i have been to a few they're like called unconferences that do it quite well. So for example, I was invited to WPP Stream last year and that's kind of like an unconference and they, they basically do conference, they did a conference, it's completely different. So it's kind of set in on like a beach um, you have your breakouts all outside. It's all like they're very, very, there's lots of other things. It's very playful. It's based on curiosity. Um, so I definitely think so. But I think the way that we should think about experiences is us as humans we've only spent maybe 50 half a century maybe just a bit more it being normalized to sit in a room with fake light and fake air <laughs> looking at the screen and that needs to be the thing that we do to create our livelihood and to make an impact in the world and yet technology is it is very important and we do need to use it but we're just using this one sense and being human is about using all of your senses like all of the ancient practices and rituals even even rituals that people do now it's about creating this kind of multi-sensory feeling and it shouldn't even be called multi-sensory it should be called like human we as humans we're meant to feel things with our body our body's got so many senses on it so many nerve endings for us to touch for us to feel for us to feel things like underneath our feet feel we walk into a room 
and we automatically get all of these signals or we walk into a space and it's like how cold is it is it how hot is it what's the light like what am i feeling what energy do i get from the people who's what's going on and then because of the information you receive your body reacts differently so let's say you walk into a room that so i'm going to think of like a corporate example you walk into a conference hall and it's bright lights bright white lights and people are sitting there on their own no one's talking to each other everyone's looking a little bit nervous there's a loud noise going on from the speaker over there you look around there's no windows your body starts doing a few things so firstly you might start your eyes will start kind of dilating so that you can process this extremely harsh light that corporates like to use to keep people wired and keep them awake mm. i don't think i think it's very bad but let's not go into that um you start to feel the energy of people that are all looking quite nervous so then you get nervous as well you start to see that there's like no no windows no natural light so you start feeling a little bit maybe claustrophobic like you need to kind of leave you need to escape so then you've gone in with all these reactions now imagine if it's completely like very different you go in somebody the minute you get in somebody greets you by name tells you exactly where everything is makes you feel comfortable makes you feel happy introduce you to someone the the lights are i keep talking about light because light is really important the whole world is based on light like the lights are at a are set in a way that doesn't really disrupt your kind of dilation there's maybe some sound that's set to a beat and a frequency that puts your cardiac rhythm into a good rhythm because our bodies react directly to sounds let's say you have an experience like that like your experience of this conference is going to be different are we talking about crazy events here like circus themed conferences and things like that so it's, it's interesting you say that because I do think there's a difference between trying to overstimulate people's senses just for the sake of it mm -hmm. and then trying to consciously work with people's senses in a natural way to put them in a comfortable, a comfortable state. Mm -hmm. So because for me, multisensory doesn't mean doing loads of things and overloading the senses so people are like oh my god was that was that was that was that because yes that's exciting but that might not put people in a very restful and productive state of self okay. but then there's there's ways of creating an environment by working with the senses that um put you in like a productive at rest at ease state of self so i think there's there's two different types of ways is whether you're trying to do it to create an a space of productivity of learning or whether you're trying to do it to create a space of entertainment we ended the recording there and went on to say our, our goodbyes um but wasn't that such a good podcast such a passionate speaker um i could honestly listen to her tell stories all day um and i think there's some really good lessons in there for um for us for for learning for telling stories and for bringing that kind of sense of passion and ex and multi-sensory experiences to marketing um you can see just listening to her how much you can connect with an audience by the way you talk so lots of things to think about in this one um and i'll see you next week got a really good podcast on augmented reality next week i can't wait to release it We've got a really good podcast on augmented reality and marketing next week, and I can't wait to release it. Um, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.